Hey, you guys, welcome to the podcast. Today is Thursday, March 25th. Want to thank you guys for tuning in. You have found me at my little corner of the internet. This is Heidi St. John, and this is Off the Bench with Heidi St. John. Today, I'm going to air part two of my interview with Pastor Alan Jackson. He is going to encourage you and bless you and help you get off the bench and onto the battlefield with a renewed sense of purpose to remember that gratitude is a powerful thing. We don't need to yield to the spirit of heaviness that's in the culture today because we are children of the living God. This is going to be an awesome interview. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. want to say really quickly before we get going today, you guys are just blessing the socks right off of us here at the podcast and also encouraging me as I have stepped out onto the political battlefield, really trying to encourage you guys to follow suit, to get involved in the culture. This is part of what I'm going to be talking about with Alan today, just the need for Christians to be salt and light in the culture. What good is salt, you guys, if we leave it in the salt shaker? We are up against a pretty big fundraising deadline at Heidi St. John for Congress.com. If you guys are interested in supporting us, we would be so grateful if you would do that. Remember, I might not be in your district, but my voice in Congress really will be a voice for the nation. And so we would covet your prayers and your financial support. Again, you can support me at Heidi St. John for Congress. All right, you guys, I can't wait for you guys to hear part two of my interview with my friend, Alan Jackson. Buckle up. It's going to be an encouraging ride. Here we go. This is part two in progress. Man, I'm, I'm sitting in church right now. I just want to Come raise on. my hands and go, Hall- hallelujah. It's true. And we don't need to be discouraged and we don't need to be afraid and we don't need to live like we're slaves in the land of the free and the home of the brave, but it will require courage, right? It's going to require courage. You just said it yourself. We're, we're not going back to where we were again. I mean, I, for the, for the whole past year, I kept telling listeners, you guys, it's going to be okay. Get, you know, two weeks to flatten the curve. All right, we can do it. Then it was three weeks. Then it was four weeks. Then it was two months. Then it was six months. And I started feeling like, all right, somewhere, somehow, somewhere along the line, we lost our way or we were steered into a place that we didn't realize we were going. But now we know, okay, we're on a new beachhead and we're going to establish a new authority. And it encourages me greatly to hear you say it because the people that are listening to this don't need to feel discouraged. They can feel encouraged because God is at work. And I love that you're saying that you wrote a book and I want to talk about this because I I want people to go out and get it. You wrote a book called God Bless America Again. And we've been talking for just a minute about the freedoms and liberties that we have enjoyed in this country since it was founded on a Judeo-Christian worldview, right? And what we're seeing happening in the culture right now is a clash of two worldviews right? It's, it's the, uh, the godless worldview and the children of God who come at this from a completely different world where we know our rights come from God. They don't come from government, which is not what the socialists teach or the Marxists or the communists, for goodness sake. And we're watching this play out in our country right now. And we have an opportunity as an emerging generation on a new beachhead to determine which principles are going to guide us. What's this going to look like going forward? And why Why did you write this book? Because it seems like perfectly time for where we are right now. Well, the book really emerged out of a series of messages, messages that I shared with the congregation, but it was to remind them that it's not the first time we face challenges. It's not the first time we've had to stand up and display tremendous courage. You know, the current battle has emerged out of these decades of pluralism where we've said that every worldview was equal. And now that's yielded to relativism, where they're telling us that it really doesn't matter what you believe. 
you know, here a belief, there a belief, everywhere a belief belief. And and it's just baloney, which is a Greek word for I disagree. <laughs> Everything isn't relative. There is objective truth. Truth can be known. And, and we understand that fundamentally, but we have hidden in our churches and dis- discussed theoretical theology. And now I believe the Spirit of God is asking us if we'll have the courage to bring what we've said we believed out into the light, out into the daytime where we go to school and where we work. How dare you tell me Jesus is not welcome in the marketplace? How dare you tell me that? I can bring every sort of evil music, every sort of wicked musical video. I can bring, uh, there's all sorts of immorality. How dare you tell me that gender confusion is sacred and Jesus is unholy? I won't accept it. I won't tolerate it. He's my Lord. He's my best friend. And if you speak disparagingly of him, we're going to find a way to work this out because I won't yield. And we have been compliant thinking we could win the favor of the ungodly. That's not our assignment. The church would have failed. We would have never made it to the fourth century if the early Christians hadn't understood the uniqueness of Jesus and said, we will not yield. Rome had a pantheon. You can visit it today in the city of Rome. When the Romans conquered a new territory, they welcomed the gods of that territory into the Roman collection of gods. You could pick any gods you wanted. And they invited the Christians to put Jesus in the pantheon. And their answer was never. We will not do that. And it made Christianity illicit. It meant it was against Rome. And it brought tremendous persecution to the believers, but they refused the invitation to pluralism. If the believers understood that, if they had failed in that point in time, we wouldn't gather in buildings on Sunday. We would have never heard the name Jesus. Because of their courage, we have a privilege. Now, what kind of people will we be and what will we do for our children and our grandchildren? I'm excited. God didn't allow us to spend our lives singing polite hymns and imagining we were in a safe place. He's awakened us to the conflict of our generation, and I believe that we will rise to meet that task. Mm. And you've said, I'm looking at your book on Amazon right now. Actually, I've already ordered it. Let's just be honest. So I'm going to be excited to see what God's put on your heart. But the truth of the matter is you're taking people back to where we came from so that we can make the way that we're going straight and clear again. And one of the things that you said was if we fail to embrace the things which brought us liberty and freedom, if we fail to teach those things to the next generation, we've abandoned the responsibility of the children of God. And part of that responsibility, right, is to teach our children where we came from, the founding principles that should be guiding us as American citizens right now. Where do you see this Going forward, I mean, talk to the parents that are listening to this, the grandparents. There's a lot of young people that are going, what's my role in all of this? How can we take a country back? Now we've got our schools teaching critical race theory, right? Turning our young, most vulnerable citizens into racists, because that's what critical race theory does. We're teaching the 1619 Project, which is erasing our actual history and putting in a false history. This will be devastating if we allow it to stand. And I feel like it's time to go on the offense, right? What does that look like right now? Well, I think it starts in our homes with what we teach our children. And we stop apologizing for our nation. We're not a perfect people. We've made mistakes. But there's no perfect nation. There's no perfect story. 
And there are some things unique about our nation that can't be explained apart from the grace and mercy of God. And for all of our failures and our shortcomings, our nation has been a tremendous force for good in the world. And if you don't understand that, I'm, I'm sorry for your bigotry and your narrow-mindedness and your ignorance. It just happens to be true. And there's an overwhelming amount of evidence around that. And if you choose to focus on the negative and the mistakes, again, it's unfortunate, but there are many good things to be celebrated. And I, I think to regain that and to begin to be grateful for our nation, we have a moral responsibility to teach our children those good things. You know, we will celebrate the cultures of almost every other nation in the world while we denigrate our own culture. That's abuse. And I won't silently tolerate that any longer. What's happening in America today is more a Soviet response. They are crushing opposition, opposing ideas, opposing literature. They want to erase the movies that we have watched. It sounds more like the, the pathway to the gulag than it does the pathway to a better future. Where is the ACLU? My entire life, I've heard them defend the most heinous things in the name of free speech. And they're being silenced while Mr. Potato Head and Dr. Seuss get canned. So, you know, we've got to be more clever. But I think with the help of God and voices like yours and the people that listen to you regularly, we are waking up. It's an exciting time. I tell you, spend time being thankful. Start to thank God for the good things in your life. Don't yield to the heaviness. Well, I've lived in places where I didn't have grocery stores, where you had to kind of scramble to pull food together. And one of my favorite places to visit is a grocery store, because when I walk into a grocery store in the United States, it's an expression of God's mercy to me. You go to the cookie aisle. There are 14 different kinds of Oreos. I mean, they are colored for the season of the year. I just stand there and lift my hands and praise the Lord. It's like a God thing to me. Now, I go buy celery, but I go stand there and look at those cookies and think, this is an amazing gift of grace. And there are things in all of our lives, no matter how much pressure or how many challenges we face, for which we can be thankful. If your job is difficult, before you go in in the morning, you sit in your car and you thank God that you have a job, that you have the strength to go to the work, that you have transportation available to help you get there. You start to fill your heart with gratitude. Push back on that heaviness. Don't accept it. If somebody says to me, you don't look good today, I'll go find a mirror and go, boy, were they confused. I'm looking fine today. I'm sorry their day's so bad they couldn't see how fine I am, but I'm feeling really There's good. There's a whole lot of homeschool mamas listening to this right now needed to hear that message. <laughs> I don't know about all that. But I just know that's true. But gratitude is powerful. And we don't listen to the garbage. Don't listen to them tell you how bad our nation is. You thank God you were born in America. I have been down the Amazon, down the tributaries of those rivers, and met people that have never lived with electricity. We are blessed, and they need to stop lying to us about ourselves. I've been to the remote islands in the Philippines, and I'm telling you, our lives are a reflection of the grace and mercy of God. They're not the output of evil. So start to practice being thankful, whatever your circumstances. If you have to go to the doctor because you're not well, we have doctors to go to, hospitals we can visit. You can call 911 and strangers with a prepared bus will show up at your house to help you. We are blessed. God is good to us. And if we will begin to respond to him, we will see him move on our behalf.
That's right. That's right. And I think just, I mean, I'm encouraged just listening to you. I'm so glad that you're on my podcast today because I'm taking notes like a crazy woman. I'm so encouraged because we need to start talking about the gratitude that we experience and that we feel by virtue of the fact that we were born here, that we were born in the freest nation on the face of the earth. And what's happened so often in the last couple of years, a class, actually not years, decades really is the left in this country and forces that hate this country have made us into victims, right? We love our victimization. We want to be victims. This is why we can't have Mr. Potato Head, right? Because somehow our children are victimized by seeing such a thing as an androgynous potato who happens to wear a hat and might be a guy, right? And so it's this victimization. And so, and it goes back to, and I was, I'm circling the other some other things you said earlier, because what you just said goes back to telling the truth. It all is anchored in truth. And so what that means to me is when I hear a bold lie, a 1619 Project is a bold lie, critical race theory, a bold lie, the only antidote to a bold lie is bold truth. And God's people are called to be ambassadors. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as if God were making his appeal through us. And we can't do that unless we're willing to speak the truth. And to speak it boldly, because that's what's required in the culture right now. Absolutely. And I've been inviting the, the, the congregation for several months to a little paradigm. Watch, listen, think, and act. It'll help. You, you have to. You have to watch and you have to listen. Because we've heard some bold lies. Obviously, what we've been told about COVID was not true. Millions of us didn't die. Sheltering in place for a couple of weeks didn't stop it. You know, we, we've just been told one thing after masks don't make a difference. Now you need a mask. Now you need two. Now just put it over your eyes. Well, you know, we've been told a lie about our nation. If our nation were inherently racist and oppressive and, and the, the poorest amongst us had no chance, I don't believe our southern border would be overwhelmed today with tens of thousands of people trying to get into our nation. There's a logic break between those two. So if I watch and listen and think, I can tell you what they're telling us isn't right. Either their history's messed up or these people at the border are so crazy you shouldn't let them in. They're not really desperate. They're just completely, I mean, and I don't believe that's true. So we've got to become more aware. But that starts with not the truth about somebody else. It's the truth about ourselves. I keep coming in my own heart, Lord, help me to see myself. Because we don't want to respond with angry truth. We don't want to respond with condemning truth. We don't want to tell other people what they need to do. We want to begin to grapple with the truth about ourselves. Lord, help me to see myself. And I'm amazed at God's goodness. He will help us. So that's why we don't have to feel despondent. The creator of heaven and earth knows the number of hairs on your head when you sit or when you stand. He knows the burden you're carrying today. And if you will begin to talk to him, get your Bible out. Begin to read it. Read through the Gospels over and over and over again until Jesus becomes your friend, not a stranger you meet at church. Welcome God back into our lives, not to comply with somebody else's set of rules. Make Jesus your friend. Tell him you want to be his friend. We've been hiding for him because you're afraid he'd find out what we're really like. He knows. Just tell him the truth. I got to this awkward place in my life. I felt God inviting me into ministry. And I said, you know, I don't like Christians. And the reality was there was so little Jesus in me. When I got around people that knew him, they made me uncomfortable. I was more comfortable with wicked people. 
then I had to kind of rearrange some stuff inside of me. So get your Bible down. Begin to talk to the Lord every day. Have a cup of tea with Jesus. You'll be amazed at what God will do in your life. Well, and it's not just for people who are listening, for those who are parents and those who are grandparents. Again, I'm going to go back to what we know to be true, and that is we can't pass on what we don't possess. And so if we want to see our children walking in right relationship with the Lord, we need to walk in right relationship with Him. If if God is not in the quiet places of our hearts, if He's not the Lord of my Netflix account, if he's not the Lord of the places that no one else sees, then why am I not walking in victory in him? Why is fear in my life in the way that it is? Could it be because I've opened myself up to it by the things I'm listening to and the things I'm watching, the things I'm saying in the company I keep? We've got to start taking stock of our own lives in the quietness of our hearts. And when you say, welcome God, back into your life, you better be prepared because if we open that door, he's going to come in and start cleaning house, right? Mm -hmm. Amen. But that's good news. Can you imagine the creator of all things caring about us, being willing to help us? That's amazing to me. But I think it's more important than just you can't give away what you don't have. That's very, very true. But it only takes three generations for an idea to be completely lost from a culture. You know, if my grandmother wanted some Nashville hot chicken, she didn't call DoorDash. She went out in the backyard and caught a chicken and wrung its neck and dressed it and cut it up and fried it. I doubt most of us would be comfortable with that process today. And that was how chicken was prepared for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. But we've lost that skill set. And if we want our children and our grandchildren to have faith, we're going to have to teach it to them. We can't expect somebody else to do that. And we can't tell them something we don't know. We can't ask them to be something we don't aspire to. Why don't we aspire for our children to serve the Lord? Why don't we have a desire for them to be more godly? Which is our greatest desire, to be more godly or be more popular? And we, we've got to kind of grapple a little bit with some of our own fundamentals. And I think if we'll bring alignment to our lives, we'll see those broader things start to happen. And I think too, you know, as we, as we come to the close of the broadcast today, to leave listeners with the sense that God is at work. It's how we started. It's what you were saying in the very beginning, that your heart is uh, at rest because you know that God is at work. And we can be at rest knowing that God is at work and knowing that he is going to finish in us what he has begun. We've got to do the hard work of walking with him and yielding our lives to him. But what do we get from that? It's the peace that passes understanding. It's the ability to see through the lies in the culture and use discernment when we are walking out this thing called faith in the public square. And it's the ability to be able to do it because we know that the Holy Spirit, we have this, we, it's, it's what you were saying earlier, we have access to the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. And we need to remember who we are. Before we leave today, I want to, how can listeners find you? If they're like, boy, where can we find this guy? How do we follow him? Where can listeners find more information about you? Well, probably the simplest way is just Google Pastor Alan Jackson, and it'll give you a whole host of options. All right. And that's Alan with A-L-L-E-N. Alan. And we can find you at alanjackson.com, and I will link back to your books 
in the show notes today. Alan Jackson, it has been an absolute delight and an encouragement. I'm so encouraged right now. I can just, uh, I, I'm going to go on the rest of my week and just, I'm going to, I'm going to let this buoy me. <laughs> As we walk this out, you are just an encourager by nature and an exhorter and a teacher, and God is at work in your life. And I thank you for taking the time to come on the show with me. Well, thank you, Heidi. It's been a treat. Easter's not far away. Everybody needs to find a place to worship with God's people on Easter. Mm, I know, right? We missed it last year. We did, and we're not going to stay out this year. We've been having church together since the first week of May last year with thousands of people a week, and we have not been a spreader of disease. So I can tell you from a lot of experience that you can find a way. You distance in however you feel most comfortable, but you find a way to be with God's people Easter weekend. Thank you for your podcast. We're going to link it to the one we've got, and together we're going to make a difference in this nation for Jesus. Thank you for what you're doing. Amen. Thank you so much. For more information about Pastor Alan Jackson and his ministry, I will link back to it in the show notes today, or you can go to alanjackson.com. If you want more information about his books, please go to the show notes, heidistjohn.com forward slash podcast. You guys know I will be in Rogers, Arkansas tomorrow and Friday and Saturday. Please come out and say hello. We need to encourage each other. And don't forget, we are working through my book, Becoming Mom Strong, How to Fight with all that's in you for your family and your faith at MomStrong International. And you can find out more at MomStrongInternational.com. Thanks for listening today, everybody. And I will see you back here in a couple of days at the intersection of faith and culture. For more encouragement, visit me online at TheBusyMom.com. 